0: Guys, we got this um, new gadget called Periscope. Uh, we didn't steal it from the uh, Canadian Navy. Um, it's just an app. It's on. You can get it on your phone. And so if you have a Twitter account, you can uh, follow anybody who broadcasts things on Periscope. So we are trying this for the first time. So today we are broadcasting this on Periscope. So if you have a Twitter account and you follow me, uh, as in not follow me, but follow me, uh, then... Uh, You can watch this on uh, Periscope. Yeah. Uh, My tweet account is at Jacobite65. Or at Jacobite, I'm not sure, but it's one of those. I'll let you know later. Yeah, and I have very few followers. I I saw this cartoon once um, in some Christian magazine where Jesus is sitting next to this guy and he's explaining to the guy that when I said follow me, I didn't mean on Twitter. So... (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so guys, we often believe uh, that joy is an incidental footnote in Christian life. We often believe that joy is an incidental footnote in Christian life. As in, uh, everything else seems to be more important. Joy, yeah, you know how the world is. Goes up one day, goes down the other day. Joy is like a footnote in Christian life. And yet, um, as we uh, go through this teaching, you'll find that it's so critical to Christian living, so critical to Christian living. Just want to touch on that today. And to begin with, like everything else in the kingdom, joy is both a fruit that is given by the Holy Spirit, and it's also a character that needs to be worked out. That's a strange thing with most things in the kingdom. It is given, and it needs to be worked out. Paul said even salvation is that way. He said, you have been given salvation, but now work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Same way, joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It has been given to me because the Holy Spirit now lives in me and it is something that He gives to me. And yet, it needs to be worked out. It's like this um, baby that you conceive in your womb, but now that you've conceived the baby in your womb, now you have to do things to... Work out the nine months so that the baby is birthed. You may have to quit working hard jobs. You may have to change your diet. You may have to eat more. You may have to say no to pickles and chicken. At least my sister had to. What I'm trying to say is that joy needs to be worked out once it's given. Go ahead, Um, Of? Trembling. Fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. Uh, work out your salvation. Fear and trembling would be, again, my definition of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the dread of offending the Father I love. The fear of the Lord is the dread of offending the Father that I love. So it, it's not a fear that comes out of, oh shucks, what's he going to do to me? It's a fear that comes out of, oh shucks, He loves me so much and I'm beginning to like him that I dread letting anything come between him and I because I like him that much. Do you separate the fear and the trembling or is it all... It is all together. Yeah, it's one and the same. So, uh, I mean, I would hate to see someone I love uh, go through a bad time or have a relationship that's broken. It really bothers me. Even as I go to meet them to fix things, inside me I'm hoping that it'll get solved quickly because I don't want to drag it out and that's the sense of it so on one hand joy is given on the other hand it needs to be worked out and so that's kind of where we are going today because it's so much more than a feeling right joy is so much more than a feeling so when the bible talks about joy it talks about it in three uh, it talks about it um, in three different ways it talks about joy as a source It talks about joy as an experience, and it talks about joy as an expression. Whenever the Bible talks about joy, it talks about it as a source, and it talks about it as an experience, and it talks about it as an expression. I mean, right through the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, these three continuously come up. So we're going to start with the source of joy. The source of joy. Can I erase this? The source of joy. And so if you want to put a subheading, you can put it as source of joy. And uh, then say, seek him. And I'll explain that. Source of joy. So guys, go to Psalm 16 verse 11. Psalm 16, verse 11. Psalm 16, verse 11. There's a place where joy comes from. eh? There's a source for it. I love this (laughs) beautiful verse, man. Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. In your presence is fullness of joy. As in, guys, remember, God invented this thing called joy. He didn't even invent it. It was, It is who He is. It is who He is. He's the most joyful being in the universe. Jesus Christ was the most joyful being in the universe because He was a visible image of the invisible God. So in His presence is fullness of joy. And at His right hand are pleasures evermore. So when it comes to the source of joy, it is impossible to start or step into joy unless I begin by seeking His presence. Impossible. That's where it flows from, eh? What's happened with Christianity, guys, is we seek joy in charismatic experiences or supposed manifestations of the Spirit, which will tingle you a little in your little finger or give you a spasm in your muscle or have you rolling around in the pews with laughter. That's not joy, man. Joy is much richer, bigger, broader than that. It's found in a person. It's found in a person. Let's take another verse. Matthew twenty-five, twenty-one matthew twenty five twenty one Doris what did you teach them today which song matthew twenty five twenty one let's start at verse 20 this is where they settle accounts and the guy who had five talents came back bringing five more verse 20 and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said to him, and what does he say to him? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of who? The joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master. There's these reservoirs of joy that God has. It is impossible for me to function in a place of joy or work it out, if I don't first understand the joy has a source. Joy has a source. Enter into the joy of your master. Guys, it's critical to living, eh? Because Nehemiah 8.10 says that the joy of the Lord is my stronghold. It's actually stronghold, it's not even strength. The joy of the Lord is my stronghold. For me to operate here on earth, in a way that is contagious and active, requires that I be someone who knows how to both access and then work out this thing called joy. And it's not haha, It's not happiness. It's not necessarily a plastic smile. It's got nothing to do with that, eh? Because remember, joy can exist side by side with hurt, with disappointment, with pain. Joy is not, joy is not something that exists in isolation. Whenever you read the Bible, you find that, I mean, isn't it fascinating? They call him the man of sorrows. And yet, being the man of sorrows, he's a visible image of the invisible God who is the most joyful being on the face of the universe. Joy exists side by side. It's not some fake thing that Christians practice for two hours in church. This is something we'll have to live throughout the week, man. Third, uh, let's look at another scripture. Psalm 43 verse 4. Then I will go to the altar of God, my joy and my delight, and I will praise you with the harp, O Lord, you are my God. Psalm 43 verse 4. Psalm 43 verse 4. Again, we're talking about the source then I will go to the altar of God. Doesn't matter whether it's on Sunday morning or whether it's in your house or whether it's on a mountain, then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my what? My exceeding joy. Again, it goes back to the source, man. My exceeding joy. To God, my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the harp or lyre. O oh God, you are my God. Let's take another one. Psalm 45, verse 7. Look where Jesus got his joy from. Psalm 45 verse 7. It says about Jesus that you have loved righteousness and you've hated wickedness. So look at what God did, what the Father did for the Son. Therefore, God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Again, even Jesus derived his joy from the Father anointing or pouring upon Him. Gladness that was beyond anybody else ever possessed. Maybe this needs to be incorporated in our prayer life, eh? Where you start of the morning saying, Father, just as you did with your son Jesus, could you anoint me with joy, with gladness and joy that is beyond that of my companions. That will be a nuts kind of prayer. I mean, I've never prayed that in my life. That's the first time I've said it. But I want to start that today. Saying, Father, could you anoint me with joy that is beyond that of my companions? And then imagine what that life will be like. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Jeremiah 15, 16. It says there. Your words were found and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. (laughs) That's the other thing. The the Word of God, which is God's spoken word, no, no, uh, which is God's, yeah, it's God's spoken word, written down. Uh, The Word of God itself can bring you to a place of joy. When we discover God's words and digest them, they become a source of joy when we discover God through His Word and we digest the Word, that becomes a source of joy. Let me say that again. When we discover God through His Word and we digest the Word, as in we begin to live it out, practice it, it, when it begins to change our thinking, that becomes a source of joy. Guys, how sad that we substitute manifestations for this, eh? How sad that we seek... um, Manifestations instead of seeking God. It's happening in the Christian church, eh? all over. Any questions before we move on to the experience of joy? Am I looking good on Periscope? Okay, I'm glad I wore colorful things today. Alrighty. Oh, shucks, that's on Periscope too, right? I should I should pretend like I do this every Sunday. And so I say to those of you sitting in the overflow room okay, and the balcony. Let's talk about the experience of joy next. Yeah, don't don't pan on the crowd. Yeah. The experience of joy. If the source of joy requires that we seek Him, then the experience of joy requires that we obey Him. The experience of joy requires that we obey Him. Because joy must be experienced, guys. I mean, uh, what did David say when he had sinned and then he comes back to the Lord? And here's what he says. He says, restore unto me. What? The joy of your salvation. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Because he knew something was missing. And it wasn't a concept. It wasn't a thought. It was something that he was bereft of. And now he wants it back. And he says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. So joy needs to be experienced. You should read Psalm 63 verses 1 to 5. Psalm 63 verses 1 to 5. It talks about this experience. And then someone can read it from the message. It sounds even... um, more riotous. Psalm 63, 1-5, O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I I have looked you up in the sanctuary, I behold your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Does someone have it in the message? Yeah. Listen to it from the message. God, you are my God. I can't get enough of you. I've worked up such hunger and thirst for God, traveling across dry and weary deserts. So here I am in the place of worship, eyes open, drinking in your strength and glory. In your generous love, I'm really living at last. My lips brim praises like fountains. I bless you every time I take a breath. My arms wave like banners of praise to you. I eat my fill of prime rib and gravy. I smack my lips. It's time to shout praises. Talk about experiencing joy. So joy needs to be experienced, guys. Uh, In Psalm 4, verse 7, you can see, again, this whole idea of experiencing joy. He actually compares it to other joyful events and says, Man, with you, O God, it's more than anything else. It says in Psalm 4, verse 7, it says, You have put more joy in my heart than they that have grain and wine abound. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. I mean, one of the most festive times in Israel was when the harvest would come in. They had slogged for months together for the harvest. And now they had this bountiful harvest and people would eat and drink and make merry. And here is now David saying that, listen, God, the joy I get from you is so much more than that. The message puts it this way. It says that... Um, More joy in one ordinary day than they get in all their shopping sprees. Sometimes I wonder why Eugene Peterson translated it like that. More joy in one ordinary day than they get in all their shopping sprees. But we'll leave that alone. We'll stick with the NIV for that one. So, how much joy can you experience? Guys, here's a crazy thing, eh? Look at how much joy you can experience. You can. This is nuts. This is absolutely possible. That is why it's crazy. You can experience as much joy as Jesus at this present moment is experiencing. That's the degree of joy that you and I can have, eh? And really, it's not happiness that we're talking about. It's not a feeling, though it is also an experience. But how much joy can you experience as much as Jesus has been experiencing since the, since eternity to everlasting at this present moment? That's the kind of joy you can experience. But Jacob, how can you say that? Go to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And he makes the statement there in John chapter 15, 11, where he says, I have told you this, and we'll talk about what he told them later. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. And the word complete here is fully mature. Telios. Fully mature. This is what Jesus is saying to us saying, Listen, Jacob, you know how much joy you can experience. You can experience the same joy that I presently have. I've always had since eternity and I'll always have into eternity. You can have the same joy. But how, Jesus? Because I have told you these things so that my joy, as in how the degree to which I'm joyful can be yours and your joy can be complete, as in it can be completely mature and telios, Perfect in its completion. That's the kind of joy we can experience. What if we experience that two minutes a day? just two minutes a day, if we were able to experience that. I'm not talking about tickling yourself to death. I'm talking about knowing in your heart the kind of joy that Jesus knows. And so the next question is, so what did he tell them? And this is what he tells them. He tells them that uh, this is how you need to look at it. To begin with, consider this fact that Jesus loves you as much as the Father loves him. Jesus loves you in the same way, forget the as much, think of it this way, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves Jacob in the same way that the father loves Jesus, Guys, it's important to know this. eh? I know you've heard this before, but put it down not in terms of how much, but in which way. When you say how much, it's quantity. You can't understand it. It's very hard to measure God's love because it's inexhaustible. So forget the much part of it. Think of the way. So here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, hey, Jacob, I love you in the same way that the Father loves me. I love you in the same way, Jacob, that the Father loves me. The same way. So now you can figure out what that way is as you read the Gospels. You find that the reason Jesus could be joyful was because of the complete confidence he had in his father because of his father's love for him. Jesus loves Jacob in the same way that the father loves Jesus. And then Jesus goes on to say that remain intimately at home in my love By obeying my commands, just as I remained intimately in my father's love by obeying his commands. Remain intimately at home in my love by following my commands, just as I remain intimately in my father's love by obeying his commands. And then he goes on to say, I have told you these things. So that your joy, my joy, may be in you, and so that your joy may be complete, the point is, guys, if you want to begin to experience the kind of joy that makes life vibrant, active, passionate godlike contagious, then one of the things I cannot avoid is obeying his commandments and why will I obey his commandments? not because i 'm scared of him, but because i 'm deeply in love with him. I love the way it puts it in the message. Remain intimately at home in my love, just as I have remained intimately at home in my father's love. And how do I do that? By obeying his commands. And if you do that, Jacob, then know this, that my joy will be in you, and your joy will be complete. And by the way, where do you start, Jacob? Here's where you start. Know this without a shadow of a doubt, that I love you, Jacob, as in the same way that the father has loved me you know what confidence that can give you in the morning? That this morning as I go to work, this morning as I face the situations I have to face, Jesus loves me the same way that the Father loves Jesus. That is nuts, man. Jesus loves me the same way that the Father loves Jesus. Selah, think about it. Any questions on that before we move on? To the third one. Any questions, guys? The creator of the universe, Jesus Christ, who has no beginning or no end, who says he is the Alpha and the Omega, who is the visible image of the invisible God, who through him, by him, and for him, all things were made, who is above all things, who is seated above everything else and at whose name, every knee bows. That Jesus loves me The same way that the Father loved him. Yeah. He loves us regardless. Yeah, that's a good point. He loves us regardless. How do we remain in, experience, uh, uh, walk in, enjoy that love? By obeying his commands. By obeying his commands. You know, I went to this place called Shillong that I told you about. And... um, Jason was with me when we went. And they've got this strange seed that they serve with dinner. It's this tiny little seed. And so they insisted that I eat it and Jason eat it. And they were insist I should have known, they were insisting far too much that we eat it. And they had this look on their face as in something's going to happen. But I didn't use my discernment and I ate it. And so when you eat the seed, it's not hot. It's almost tasteless. But moments after you eat it, wherever you touch your tongue to your mouth, that part goes numb. So I eat the seed and I forgot the name of it. I tried to bring it here, but they said it gets dry and loses its power, so it's no point bringing it. So I ate it and then I do this. And your lip goes numb. You feel like there's hair growing there. And wherever you touch, for about three minutes, your mouth goes numb. And it's happening to me, and Jason hasn't eaten it yet. And I'm thinking to myself, man, the food is so tasteless now, because every place, I feel like there's hair growing out. And I'm saying, I'm beginning to pray, saying, Father, I'm a sent one. May this not last forever. (laughs) May feeling come back. And I can look around the table, and they're sitting there and all waiting for a reaction, and they can see something is happening. And so I didn't tell Jason. (laughs) So In about three or four minutes, it came back. Feeling came back. And now I insisted that Jason eat it too. Because I said, Jason, it really tasted good. So so Jason ate it. And Jason's uh, less adept at hiding what's happening. So he's saying, Jacob. (laughs) And now all of us are sitting around and I'm laughing too because I'm done, right? So now it's his turn. And it was so much fun. Why am I telling, the, telling you this story? Basically to make fun of Jason because he's not here. But the second reason I'm telling you this is, guys, it is possible to sit in front of a feast and not relish it, taste it, because certain parts of you have gone numb. So it's not that Jesus will ever remove the love from us the way the Father loves Him. But for me to be able to walk in it, to taste it, to feel it without going dull requires that I obey Him. Because in obedience, my joy, I will remain in joy. I will remain in it. Otherwise, it's still over you, but you don't realize it. It's still over you, but you don't realize it. I could have made this point without going to that story, but the story sounded important. Yes. And if Jason is watching on Periscope, too bad, you're not here. You can't even refute it. (laughs) So, any questions on that before we go on? I just enjoy the fact that now Jesus loves me the same way the Father loves Him. And that if I want to always walk in it, recognize it, taste it, feel it, and not go numb to it, then all I have to do, and it isn't much of a chore, start obeying Him and enjoy it. Because at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. And in His presence is the fullness, the completion of this awesome thing that God is, which is joy. Remember, I said this before. John Piper said it once. The ultimate intent of God in all his works is joy. The ultimate intent of God in all his works is joy. What was Eden named? Why was Eden named Eden? Eden meant delight. What did God do every day after he had finished creating? It is good. There was delight in it. What does God say when we die and when we... Go to heaven, depending on how we've done here. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Why did Jesus go to the cross the way he did? For the joy that was set before him. The ultimate intent of God in all his works is joy. It cannot any longer be an incidental footnote in our lives. Any questions? Okay, let's go to the next one. The next one is not the experience of joy, but the expression of joy. The expression of joy. The expression of joy. And for the expression of joy, you don't obey him, you celebrate him. You celebrate him. The Bible talks about the source of joy, the experience of joy, and then the expression of joy. Joy must be expressed. Must be expressed. Psalm 5, 11. Psalm 5, verse 11. Psalm 5, verse 11. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. And spread your protection over them, and that those who love your name may exalt you. May all... Where is it? Yeah. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. And let them ever sing for joy. It's the right expression of our love for God, guys. Expression. Singing. What we do here isn't a religious exercise. We are called to do that. Go to Psalm 27, verse 6. Psalm 27, verse 6. Psalm 27, verse 6. It's our posture. It's a posture of a Christian. It's impossible. Guys, the only way we can avoid these verses is by not reading them or disobeying them. Psalm 27, verse 6. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with whispers of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. No, 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 not whispers of joy, shouts of joy. So when people wrote on Facebook that, oh, I'm so glad Chantal's coming back to the church because we haven't heard a shout for a while. That's a good testimony, man. Shouts of joy. What do you do? What's that sound you make? Yeah, there we go. Psalm ninety-eight one. Psalm ninety-eight one. Psalm ninety-eight one. Sorry, ninety eight four. Ninety eight four. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Do you realize that this is God speaking eh? through David or through Moses? And he's saying, listen guys, I've told you about the source of joy. I've told you about the experience of joy. Now, here's the third thing I need to tell you. That joy requires expression. And look at what it says, break forth, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Now, each culture may have its own way of expressing joy. Like, if you go to the African culture, I mean, they got moves that will dislocate your hip. But they do it so effortlessly. You go to India, it's a different kind. You go to Israel, it's a different kind. So I understand that cultural contexts do define expression. But... But it's, but it's sad when we do not choose to express. Whatever your cultural context be, express joy in that. But let it be expressed. Let it not be this cancerous silence that sometimes comes and suffocates a church or suffocates you. Uh, Psalm 149.5 If you aren't used to expressing yourself publicly... Start here. Psalm nine five. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Try to finish by about 11.30 or 12 because otherwise your neighbors may have a problem. But let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Start there. jeremiah thirty one thirteen jeremiah thirty one thirteen jeremiah thirty one thirteen then shall the young women rejoice in the dance and the young men and the old shall be merry i'll turn their mourning Into joy, I'll comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. Dancing is an expression of joy. Psalm 20 verse 5. Let's look at some more and then we'll conclude. Psalm 20 verse 5. Psalm 20 verse 5. May we shout for joy over your salvation. And in the name of our God, set up our banners. You know what it's saying there? If you read the first four verses, it's saying, when someone is victorious, may we shout for joy. As in when people come and share testimonies here, may we shout for joy because of the victories that God has worked out in their lives. It's it's a proper thing to do, guys. It's a proper thing to do. We can do more than, hmm the proper thing to do it actually says may we shout for joy over whose salvation your salvation as in your rescue and in the name of a God set up our banners may the Lord fulfill all your petitions look at Psalm 47.1 Psalm 47, one. all the scriptures are on top of your page Psalm 47, one. clap your hands all people shout to God with loud songs of joy you want to try that? On three. One, two, three. Clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. That was so not together. So let's try it one more time, not together. One, two. Clap your hands, all people. Shout for God with loud songs of joy. So it's not just markers that should be drumming. Okay. Uh, oh, this one is really nice. 126.2. 126.2. Psalm 126, verse 2. I know, we'd all be in sync. This is true. Yeah. Psalm 126, verse 2. I love this. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, as in Zion is the place of God's dwelling, we are the place of God's dwelling. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. And then look at one of the expressions of joy. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. Just imagine that, eh? Laughter is part of being joyful. One more scripture, Psalm one oh seven twenty two. Psalm one zero seven twenty two. Psalm one oh seven twenty two. This is why whenever you're invited to share stories, feel free to come up, guys. It's a command in the Bible. It says, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. So you can either write a song or come and talk about it. Tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Even telling. Just so you know, expression of joy is so important to God. So let me conclude. Any questions before we move on? Psalm 107, 22. Psalm 107, 107, 22. That's what we just read. So, guys, you can see why Paul keeps saying over and over again. If you want to read a, a book in the Bible that talks about joy, read the book of Philippians. It's just continuously about expressing joy in difficulty. Or sometimes when you're going through trials. James talks about it. Paul talks about it in the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is filled with, at least in three or four places, three places I think, with this whole command of rejoice. And when he says it the third time in Psalm, in chapter four, he says, I know I've said this before and it doesn't bother me that I'm saying it again. Rejoice. Keep saying it, rejoice. And what does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? Guys, it does not mean that grief, desolation and pain cease. It means that something else is experienced alongside your hurt. Something else called joy. Because sometimes what's happened in Christianity is we've we've gone to the other extreme and we've sanitized um, joy to the point that it's almost as if desolation, grief and pain cannot exist along with joy. No, 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 no. Desolation, pain and grief existed on the cross, man. And yet it says, for the joy that was set before him. So it exists together. It exists together. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6.10 that sorrowful yet always rejoicing. He's talking about how uh, pressed down, um, beaten but not, I mean, uh, confused but not destroyed. And then he goes on to sorrowful but always rejoicing. Strange, huh? This is what I talked about last week when I said, when I quoted that um, um, quote from Oswald Chambers. He says that Till you are able to look the blackest, darkest cloud right in the face without damaging the nature of God. Okay. It, it, it says in, um, Oswald Chambers says that till you look at the blackest, darkest cloud in the face without damaging the nature of God you do not really know God. What a statement, eh? When nasty things are happening around you, things are breaking down, some because of your mistakes, some because of others. But through it all, through the blackest, darkest cloud, you can look it straight in the face and yet not damage the face of God as in, ah, you've let me down. Oh, you didn't come through. Nothing of that sort. Why? Because you have this confidence that Jesus loves you the same way the Father has loved him and there is no shadow of turning in him. And that then allows sorrow to exist side by side with joy. Go ahead. What will the joy look like at that moment? Like at that moment? Let's talk about that. Uh, yeah. 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 And so... Yeah. And so she's basically quoting Habakkuk 3.17 in her own words. So let's look at Habakkuk 3.17 to 19. Habakkuk 3.17 to 19. Habakkuk 3.17 to 19. And here's what it says. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the wine, the produce of the olive fail, And the fields yield no food, and the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength, He makes my feet like the deer's, He makes me tread on my high places. So here is a guy who is going through the same situation, yet he says he will be joyful. So how do we go from a feeling of grief, desolation and pain to the truth of joy? Whenever you want to go from feelings to the truth, use words to get there. Whenever you want to go from feelings to the truth, use words to get there. You do not deny the reality of your condition, but you move towards the truth with words. So, um, someone who's precious to you who's died, is your daughter or son in a situation that breaks your heart? Have you just found out that there is... um, A doctor's report that is not good. Have you just found out that your house is going to be uh, taken away by the bank because you lost your job? How do you go from there to joy? And it is with words. You begin with words. Saying, though the victory shall not blossom, Father, this I know, that you will never abandon me. Though uh, I uh, uh, just heard a report that is not healthy about my body, I thank you, O God, that you are this. Though um, my children have turned away, I remember the promise that if you train up the child in the way you should bring them, they will never depart. And so you use words, and preferably his words, not platitudes or lit- nice cute poems on hallmark cards, and you move from feelings to the truth. That is the first step, guys. And as you begin to speak words Of truth, you move from feelings to truth. And then a strange thing happens. eh? As you begin to do that and your mind begins to think differently, you find that in the middle of bleakness there is hope. And once you arrive at that point of hope, you know that joy will come. You move from a dismal place to a place of hope and from hope to joy. There has to be hope if there has to be joy. There has to be hope. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Don't frame your world based on what you see around you. Frame it around what God has spoken. And therefore, this may be my condition. I will not deny its reality because Abraham did not deny the fact that he was important. But he was persuaded with the words of God and he began speaking it. And he began to call himself Abraham, which itself was a way of saying that he believed in God. And he slowly began to move towards reality. And in the process, what happens is hope arises. Guys, the one thing that the devil wants to destroy before he destroys joy is hope. If he can destroy hope, uh, he can put me in a spiral that will keep drawing me downwards. And what does the Holy Spirit want? Wants to bring me to a place of joy. But before you get to joy, he wants to restore hope. And once he restores hope, the next step inevitably is joy. Inevitably is joy. So though the fig tree does not blossom, I suddenly see this bleak. Through my bleakness, I see this small sign of hope. And once hope comes, my heart begins to beat again. My heart begins to beat again. Go ahead, Ian. Wow. Wow. And none of us was happy. happy yeah. Was superficial, it's earthly. Yeah. But I had a deep joy in my life. Yeah. Because I knew my mom wasn't suffering anymore. My yeah. mom was with Jesus she had served all her life. Yeah. And she was looking forward to him. Yeah. And I tell you, it was one of the most joyful months. Amazing. The peaceful months of my whole life. Yeah. Many people were praying for me. Yeah. And for our family. But that was when I experienced the deepest joy in my life. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So that's one from yeah. said before him Yeah, and I mean, the first bit you talked about is basically from 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul says, we should not be like the people of the world who have no hope. And then in Isaiah 53, that's the second part he was talking about, where it says uh, that, and the will of God will prosper in the hands of his servant Jesus, and he shall see a great reward for the pouring out of his life, which is you and I. At the end of the day, guys, if we can move from bleakness to hope, then the inevitable next step is joy. Get to a place of hope. And to get to a place of hope, there is no way to get there without bringing in faith because that's what Habakkuk chapter 3 is talking about. Though the fig tree, but I shall. And where will faith come from? Again, coming from that place not of standing on the word of God, but standing on the nature of God, which is revealed in the word. The nature of God revealed in the word. We don't stand on the Word of God, guys. We stand on the nature of God revealed in the Word. You stand on the Word of God, you'll be hanging by the um, skin of your teeth or the nails of your hands and you'll be scarred. Stuff is supposed to be restful. We stand in faith on the nature of God revealed in the Word by the Holy Spirit. That is how we stand. And faith will always be coupled with hope. Hope will inevitably lead to joy. And joy is... Guys, at the end of the day, let me conclude. Psalm 40, verse 16. Psalm 40, verse 16. And by the way, we don't rejoice... On one hand, we don't sanitize uh, desolation, pain and grief from joy. By the same token, we don't rejoice because we have successes either. Because that's the other thing. Christians rejoice when there are victories and successes. And yet, what did Jesus do? Say, when the... Uh, 70 came back from their missionary journey. They came back saying, we've cast out demons and all this stuff. And what did Jesus say in Luke 17? He said, do not rejoice that you've cast out demons and all this stuff. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Why? Because at the end of the day, joy doesn't come because of my victories and because of my successes as a Christian. It comes because of my relationship, my right relationship with God. Once you get that right, then victories are like gravy that are a trophy in his collection. But it comes out of a right relationship. It says, rejoice because your names are written, not because of this. Great you did this. I sent you out to do them, and it's wonderful that you did them. But know where your rejoicing starts from, the source that it starts from, a right relationship with God. Let's stop with Psalm 40, verse 16. Psalm 40, verse 16. Psalm 40, verse 16. And this is to, applies to all of us, eh? Everybody's sitting here. But may all who seek you rejoice. Ah, it's a command, man. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. Let all who seek you rejoice, let them say to the world. Another version says, let all who seek you rejoice, let them say to the world, the Lord be magnified. Let all who seek you rejoice. Let them say to the world, the Lord be magnified. I read this somewhere, I don't remember where. It's not my quote, it's somebody else who said this. Uh, He said that often to the world, God is like a distant comet. And your life is the telescope. What a beautiful line, eh? To the world, God is like a distant comet. Your life is the telescope. It brings God nearer. It brings God nearer. Brings God nearer. Rejoice and magnify him, guys. The moment you rejoice in God, he gets magnified. Your telescope suddenly becomes the Hubble thing. So let me say that line again. To most people, to many people in the world, God is like a distant comet. Just barely visible, maybe once every three months, like a quick streak. You, Your life is the telescope. And when you rejoice, you magnify Him even more and He becomes more evident. Becomes more evident. Bless you guys.